Would you be seated, bear a prayer for this morning? I'm going to ask Marty, would you can just keep playing for a minute? I want everybody to just close your eyes for a moment. Kind of, I know I'm, I'm breaking our schedule right now, but as we're in a spirit of prayer and our eyes are closed, I just want to give you a moment to think about the words you just sang. For some of you, that's a new song. For some of you, that's a really old song. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. My sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. And because of that, the next verse says, And when before the throne I stand, in him complete. Here's the truth of that that statement that one day all of us will stand before a holy righteous God and we will have to give an account when we stand before God God is going to say is your debt paid and the reality is you cannot pay that big of a debt and that's why it says Jesus paid a debt all to him I owe And I stand before God complete. I stand in Christ. So the question I want you to wrestle with this morning before we get into the message today is is very simple. Are you complete in Christ? Are you still trying to pay your sin debt because the truth of Scripture says you cannot pay that debt. You can't be good enough. You can't come to church enough. But Jesus paid your debt for you. And if you will surrender your life to Jesus Christ, when you die, the words of this song, in Him, in Christ, I stand complete. Jesus died my soul to save. My lips shall still repeat. So the question, have you given your life to Jesus Christ? There's nothing more important that you could do today than to know that when you stand before God, that your debt has been paid because you gave your life to Jesus Christ. So right now, it's it's an odd time maybe in the service to do this. It's unusual. But right now where you're seated, if God has revealed to you, maybe the last few weeks, the last month, God has just been, you've been wrestling with God about this decision, about surrendering your life to Christ and, and just giving it up all to Him. And, and so I'm going to ask you right now in, in, the, in the opening of our service this morning, if you would like to give your life to Christ and you would like to trust Him for your salvation, acknowledging that there is no way you can get to heaven except through the name of Jesus Christ, except the repenting of your sins and placing your faith in the name of Jesus Christ, then what I want you to do this morning is I'm going to pray a prayer. And right where you're seated, right here this morning, I want you to repeat those words after me to God. Pray this prayer. God, I know I'm a sinner. God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me 
He died to pay my sin debt. I repent of my sins. I surrender my life to Jesus. I want Jesus to be my Lord. I want Jesus to be my Savior. I want forgiveness of sins. And if, if you pray that prayer this morning, how much more valuable are the words to this song? Because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. My sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Before I pray this morning, I want to ask real quickly, would anyone say this morning, John, God's been speaking to me, God's been dealing with me, and I prayed that prayer this morning. If that's you this morning, would you just put your hand up for a moment? Just put your hand up. Leave it up for a moment. Thank you. There's one right here. Just leave it up for a moment. I'm looking around. I, I just want to pray for you. I want to see your hand, and I want to pray for you this morning. Anyone else like that this morning? Just put your hand up this morning. Anyone else? Thank you. You can put your hands down. I want to encourage you in a, in a, in a moment when we are done with the service, we're going to have a time of, of response or time of invitation, an opportunity for you to come forward and tell someone about it. And if you prayed that prayer this morning, I would encourage you with everything I have, to come forward. There's going to be people this morning that are going to be facing you and I, I would encourage you to come shake their hand. I'll be standing right here in the front. Come shake my hand and let me know you prayed that prayer. God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for the gift of salvation. Lord, may the, the familiarity of this song for some of us not lose the power of the words of the song. Lord, that Jesus hung on a brutal cross, died a horrible death to pay my debt. God, I am forever grateful. Bless the service, bless the teaching and preaching of your word. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. We were going to show you the Life Hacks video, but we're going to pass on that this morning. So let's just get right into the message, all right? So let's turn to Proverbs chapter 15, all right? Proverbs chapter 15. I want to uh, say a great uh, thank you and word of appreciation to uh, Critter and to Nathan. They have done an amazing job doing our Life Hacks video. Uh, Critter um, has a lot of great information and a lot of useless information as well. But uh, I appreciate Critter and Nathan doing that. Could we give them a hand this morning? I appreciate them doing it all summer for us. Great job. Also uh, appreciate uh, Jeff. Jeff, thank you for leading us in worship today and doing a great job. Uh, Dave uh, had the opportunity to be in Florida. So when Dave and Don first were married and out of college, his first uh, ministry position was at uh, East Point. I think I'm saying that right in uh, Florida, and so they are having a special anniversary day, and so they asked Dave to come lead worship for them, and so a great opportunity for him uh, to go back to where he first started uh, in ministry, and so I appreciate Jeff filling in, did a great job in leading us in worship, and all the praise team, man, didn't they do a great job today? I appreciate them and uh, leading, yeah, give them a hand, that's, that's great. So we're in Life Hacks number 10, all right, and so um, I had, I, I Here's the truth, okay? Can we be, I mean, we're in church. Can we be honest this morning? Can you guys be honest with me? You guys aren't confident that you can be honest with me this morning? 
No, I won't ask you the question. I, I am um, a little ADHD, just to be honest with you. I get distracted very easily. Can you guys tell that? Yeah? How, how many of you are, are kind of in the same boat with me, all right? Uh, different boats, I guess, randomly. Uh, and so I'll be honest, I'm, I'm kind of at the point now where I have loved this life hack series, but I'm ready to move on to something else. And so it's been hard for me to keep my attention, but man... Uh, every one of our staff guys who've jumped in this summer and preached the message has been challenging to me. And the truth is, I, I don't really want to preach this message that I'm about to preach to you because it really made me angry. Anybody ever got angry about something you had to, to teach or preach about or that God was dealing with you about? Um, it's easy for me to preach on giving. Uh, as much as you don't like to hear a message on giving, it's really easy for me because God has gotten me over that fear of giving and the understanding of, you know, everything I have, God gave me first. I'm thankful that I had parents who taught me when I was very young to give. And so as an adult, it was something I was trained to do from a kid. And, you know, when the checks got a little bigger, it wasn't so difficult. Because, and, and so for me to preach on giving, other than knowing some of you are not going to like me when I do that, uh, it's real easy for me. But today the message is on our words the words we use, our tongue. And the truth is, you may think because I'm a pastor that I've got this all figured out and that I never use words I shouldn't use or I don't use words in context that I shouldn't use them. You guys think that of me, please, right? Right? Man, that is not so true. Now, I, I have conquered, when, when I was in high school, you know, went through that phase where you use all the bad words, right? Now, I've, I've conquered that. You don't have to worry about that. I don't really deal with that. I remember, though, one time when, when I was, uh, we were probably 10, 11, 12 in that range, perfect little angels, and my brother and I got in a fight uh, in the driveway playing basketball. This was quite frequent. And in our, our garage door, you remember the garage doors, some of them maybe still do, uh, have like the windows, all these windows across the garage door. And they were just at the level for my mom to look out and see us uh, in, in our argument. And we were fighting, and my brother's back uh, was to the windows. I was looking at the windows. And so at that particular fight, I had a pretty clean mouth because I could see mom doing this. <laughs> and my brother, he just let out the most unbelievable string of cuss words. I mean, it was like, and I was just like, <laughs> this is awesome. So good. I was like, for a day, I was the good twin. It was an amazing day in my life. And then when he looked over his shoulder and like, my mom was just like, oh, I can't believe my perfect angel said a bad word, you know. And so I've got past that. You'll be, you'll be okay with that. You ever, how many of you like to argue? We're, we're being honest, right? Okay. I love to argue. Can I get an amen? amen? How many of you think you were the best at arguing? Okay, if you're a true arguer, okay, how many of you, if you're in the middle of an argument, you're not giving up? There's no way out until you're the winner, right? Okay, so I'm going to be honest with you. This last night... So we, we dropped off our son at college, 
uh, again this week. Yesterday we were driving back from Springfield. Kind of, you, you guys ever been stressed and tired? We're getting real in here this morning, aren't we? <clears throat> and just have an argument over the stupidest thing? Please smile and say yes. Okay, even if you're not telling the truth. Smile, it make me feel better about myself, okay? So I'm, you know, I've got this tension in my own life, like this argument has ensued. It's my fault, okay? Always is. It's my fault, and I'm not going to quit. And in the back of my mind, you know, what I, you know what's going through my head? I can't lose the argument. I'm preaching on words tomorrow morning. And winning the argument won out. Like, I wanted to win so bad, I was like, I'll pray later. Okay? You guys, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? I, we'll deal with God later. I've got to win this thing right now. So I'm, I'm being real with you this morning. Isn't it hard to, to control your tongue? And maybe, you, like I said, maybe you've got the, like the bad words figured out and you don't say those anymore. Um, the last several years, I had the opportunity to coach football and the guys that were the other coaches, several of them, they definitely had not figured that thing out yet. Um, and, and so I've been around it. But God's, you know, delivered me from that. But it's this other aspect of my tongue, my words, that have power over me. So look in Proverbs, and we're going to read a couple random verses in Proverbs first. Uh, but then I want to read uh, some other verses, and we'll, we're going to get to Proverbs 15. So the others are going to come pretty quickly. You won't have time necessarily to look at that. Um, how, how many of you have heard that the average lady speaks 20,000 words a day and the average man speaks 7,000 words a day? How many of you have heard that? Okay, how many believe that's true? Okay, the truth is, from my research, that's never been proven to be a fact. It's, it is a stereotype, right? I mean, all of us believe it. If we believe it, it must be true, right? So University of Texas and University of Arizona did a study and actually recorded words from male and female, and it turned out that the average female spoke just over 16,000 words a day, and the average male just under 16,000 words a day. And so pretty much equal, Right? In how many words we use. Now, some of you are mad that I just debunked that myth. But anyways, uh, it's okay. We can still love each other. I started thinking, if I use 16,000 words a day, how many opportunities there for me to mess up? Yeah, hopefully not while I'm praying, so we'll like cut a few of those out. But there's 16,000 times a day that I have a chance to mess up. There's 16,000. How many of you are above average in your words? How many of your, your spouses are above average in their word, right? 16,000 chances a day for me to mess up. And it's not just about the words I particularly say. It could be about the attitude in which I say them or the intent of which I say them from, right? There, so it's, there's just 16,000 ways I could mess up in a day. It's just depressing, isn't it? Listen to this statement. As you go through life, you probably ought to write this down. This is really good. As you go through life, you're going to have many opportunities. Let me say that again so some of you are writing this down. As you go through life, you're going to have many opportunities 
to keep your mouth shut. The rest of the statement, take advantage of all of them. That's good preaching right there, isn't it? As you go through life, you're going to have many opportunities to keep your mouth shut. Take advantage of all of them. That was quoted by James Dent. James 1.19, all right? So, Scripture here. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Most of us, especially in that moment of argumentation, we do the opposite of that. We're swift to speak, swift to wrath, slow to hear. We want to be swift to hear. Listen. Take every opportunity to shut your mouth, right? You didn't think the preacher was going to say that to you today, right? Proverbs 10, 31 through 32, and this is just some, some uh, nuggets of Proverbs of wisdom about our mouth. Proverbs 10, 31. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut out. Verse 32, the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. And all throughout Proverbs, if we walk through this, there's been this good path, there's been a bad path. There's been the path of wisdom, there's been the path of foolishness or folly. The path of wisdom is the path of Christ. The path of foolishness is not the path of Christ, right? And so here you're going to see this back and forth, the mouth of the wise, the mouth of the wicked. And unfortunately for me, I jump back and forth way too many times, right? Proverbs 13, 3. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. He who guards his mouth. Now, look in Proverbs chapter 15. We're going to read several verses in Proverbs 15, and so that's why I had you go ahead and turn there. If you're like me, you probably a good idea to mark these a little bit so that you can find them later. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. Verse 2. So, so again, you're going to see this contrast back and forth between the mouth of the wise, the mouth of the fool. Look at verse number 4. Again, we're in Proverbs 15. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness is it, in it breaks the spirit. So again, it's going to contrast back and forth. The good tongue, good mouth brings forth good things. The bad mouth, the bad tongue brings forth bad things. Really important. Verse 14. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of the fools feed on foolishness. Again, you see the contrast. Look at verse 23. Again, we're in Proverbs 15. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. Verse 28. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer. Wow. So all the time you've been told as a kid, think before you speak, right? Here it is. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but... The mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. So as we walk through this this morning, I want you to turn to James chapter 3. So we, we kind of use Proverbs as this launching point. Let's go to James chapter 3, where we can learn about taming or controlling our tongue. We're going to look at four things 
in this outline this morning. We're going to try to go through these pretty quickly. As, um, man, some of, you, some of you kids in here are here for the first time for your first family worship. We had, as uh, Jeff mentioned, we have our promotion Sunday. And some of you, uh, I know some of you parents are, are just sweating it out, fearful, because today is your first day for your kid to be in family worship with you. And you're like, my kid is never going to sit still, right? You guys are thinking that, right? It's okay. It's okay. We want your kids in here. I think it's nothing better, no better way for them to learn how to worship than to sit with mom and dad and figure out how to worship. All right? So, but, but here's the warning with that. Parents, your kids are watching how you worship, all right? So if you're currently on your phone on Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat or whatever, then you're teaching them as well, right? I just had to say that. Now, James chapter 3 is going to give us four things about controlling or the phrase here would be used, taming our tongue. All right, so James chapter number 3, starting in verse 1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. That's a key verse to underline, all right? Verse number 2. I've used that verse in so many different contexts. We all stumble in many things, particularly it's talking about our tongue and what we say and how we say it. And we are all going to stumble. We've already identified that we have 16,000 times a day an opportunity to stumble and what James says is guess what we all stumble many times in many ways if anyone does not stumble in word okay so if you don't mess up with your words or with your tongue or with your mouth what does it say you're perfect so my assumption here this morning based on what scripture said all have sinned is that you're not perfect therefore guess what you struggle with your mouth, just like I do. Some of you are better than me, I'll give you that. Verse 3, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouth that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and driven by fierce winds. They are turned by a very small rudder, whether the pilot desires, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is... So set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. It is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. And here's the unfortunate news, verse 8. But no man can tame the tongue. It is unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have made the similitude of God in the image of God. Out of the same mouth, verse 10, proceed blessings and cursings, my brethren. These things ought not to be so. You should not be arguing with your family if you're going to get up and preach the next morning. That's what it's saying, right? Don't judge me. Verse 11, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or grapevine grape bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt and fresh. So what can we learn from this passage? James teach about our, our mouth, our tongues, our speech. Number one, so here's just four things we can learn, four things that will help us if we will recognize to control our tongue. Number one, we will be held accountable for what we say. We'll be held accountable for what we say. Now, verse uh, <clears throat> 1 says, My brother, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. So there's a, a very particular warning to those in the church setting 
who would be teaching, so Sunday school teachers, we could use apply that to Sunday school teachers, to preachers who are getting up here to preach the Word of God, that it says that you will be held to a what? A stricter judgment. In other words, don't just desire to get up and speak in front of everybody. Because God, you're going to give an, I'm going to give an answer before God for what, what comes out of my mouth. But there's also an implication here because most of the time when I read that, because I, in, in the context of where I live, I'm the quote-unquote teacher, right? So I'm like, i got to be careful because there's a stricter judgment. And I, I really just apply this verse to teachers. But I think there's another application in this verse because it says stricter judgment. So it's saying that those who are teaching, they're having a stricter judgment on what they say on their words. But it also then implies that even those who don't teach will have what? A judgment. Now, for those who teach, it says stricter judgment. For those who don't teach, doesn't mean you're off the hook, right? James chapter 1. Turn over to James chapter 1, one probably one page over in your Bible. Verse 19, James 1, 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Does this sound familiar? We already read this. Slow to speak, slow to wrath. Verse 20, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So your anger and what you spew out of your mouth, what does it say here in James? It doesn't produce the righteousness of God. So me getting angry, losing my temper, trying to win an argument... Is that what God wants me to do? Is that going to produce anything spiritual other than conviction in my life, right? It's not, it's not for good. Verse 21, for the wrath of man does not produce the rights of God. Excuse me, verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness, overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Verse 22, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Look at verse 26. If anyone among you thinks he's religious, does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is what? Useless. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus talking, he says this, Either make the tree good and its fruit, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. Okay? Again, as James is talking here, my words, I'm going to give an account for. By my words, you will know my heart. We're going to get to that in a minute. But let me continue reading. Matthew 12, if you want to write this down, I'm going to read it real quickly. Matthew 12, 33 through 37. Verse 34 says, and this is Jesus talking. He's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the religious people. Brood of vipers, how can you be evil? Being evil, speak good things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of a good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak. This is a scary verse. It's scary for someone like me who is, doesn't always control his mouth very well. Verse 36, Matthew 12. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. 
how can I learn to control my tongue? The first one is realize that I'm accountable for what I say. I'm accountable for the words I use. Number two, if you're following the outline, we must recognize its power for good and for evil. Recognize the power it has for good and evil. Proverbs 18.21 says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death, listen to that, Proverbs 18.21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So tomorrow, many of you students are going to start school tomorrow. Tomorrow, many of you parents are going to fight to get your kids up for school tomorrow. Right? Am I right? How many of you have kids that just wake up easy, no problem, they're ready for school? Raise your hand, because you should be proud of that, and the rest of us are going to hate on you. Okay? So for the rest of us, how many of you, uh, maybe your kids are grown, but how many of you... uh, it was a struggle getting everyone up and ready for school. All right, good. I'll, I'll tell you about my family. We have one that got up really easy and one that did not get up so easily. And you guys can figure out, I'm not telling you who's who, all right? I want to speak to your parents for a second. Your words are very powerful. Proverbs 18, 21 Words have the power of life and the power of death. They say, studies say that, and it kind of varies back and forth, most of them that I read would, would, would be an average that you need five positive statements for every negative statement you make. The truth is, parents, I would say most of us, we're not even close to that ratio. Most of us have a tendency, so they're walking off the practice field. Man, that tackling man was really good, but you didn't read the play fast enough. Right? I'm just giving you an example. We always tend to have a tendency because we're, we're coaching, we're parenting, right? We have a tendency to maybe we do give them a positive, but we always seem to follow it up with what? The negative. Guess what your kid heard? The negative. And you know that because you probably experienced it in some way in your life. Your words have power of life, the power of death. And so parents, I want you to think through this. How often do you speak life into your kids? How much more natural it is, how much easier it is to speak negative. So Proverbs 18, 21, we're going to say negative is death. If it's not positive, it's negative, right? If it's not assuring them, you're cutting them at the legs. Okay, so we'll get off the parents for a moment. Spouses. How many times more out of your mouth are you telling your spouse what they don't do well as opposed to what they do well? Right? I mean, we're, we're going to get real in here this morning, right? I confess to you, so now you're free game, okay? The power of words. L- listen to Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, 
and health to the bones. Listen to that. Pleasant words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. That's Proverbs 16, 24. Proverbs 12, 18. There is one who speaks like a piercings of a sword. So that negative comment that you know we mean for their good, there is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword. Your words are powerful. The rest of that verse, this is Proverbs 12, 18. But the tongue of the wise promotes health. You see the contrast here? The, the tongue of the fool is a piercing of a sword. But the tongue of the wise promotes health. Pleasant words are like honeycomb, the sweetness of the soul, and health of the bones. Proverbs 8, 18, 21, death and life from the power of the tongue. So, how can I control my tongue? Realize I'm going to give an account. And two, realize that my words have power. And we say things that we just cut, roll off the tongue that are, that are so damaging to our spouse or to our kids or to whoever we come in contact with. Power in your words. Let's go quickly, number three. We must recognize we can't control our tongue. What did we say in verse number eight? No man can tame the tongue. It is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. So what's the point then, right? So if you can't control your tongue, what's the point? Okay, the point is to realize that you, you, humanly speaking, in your flesh, guess what? You do not have the power to control your tongue. Can you control your tongue with the help of God in your life? Yes or no? Yes. Can you more times than not do the right thing when it comes to what the words that come out of your mouth if you're controlled by the Holy Spirit? Yes or no? Can you in the flesh control your attitude, your tongue, and your words? Yes or no? No. Maybe for a little while. Maybe for a little while. And some of you, the, the truth is, some of you are just way more gracious than me. It's much more easy for you to control your tongue in this area than it is for me. That's, that's just the reality of it. But 16,000 words a day, we all stumble in many, in many ways. No one's perfect, especially not controlling your tongue. How can I control my tongue? I'm going to have to rely on God. I'm going to have to trust Him. I'm going to have to go to Him, rely on His strength, not my strength. I mean, I could make a decision in my own power to use positive words more than negative words. And probably, if everything goes well, no one upsets me, life is perfect, I can do it in my own strength. But the moment I get stressed or tired or upset, what's going to happen? If I'm in my strength, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to mess up. Listen to this statement. Genuine faith yields to Christ's lordship over my tongue. All throughout James, he's talking about what's real faith and what's not real faith. Real faith produces action. Real faith produces change. 
real faith, really relying and trusting in God for, my, for wisdom to speak right words, it's going to have to be from God. And, and if I genuinely trust in God, if I genuinely have faith that God can deliver, deliver me from being stupid and wanting to argue and wanting to win, that's going to, I'm, me personally, I'm going to have to rest in God's power. Because it's, if it's left up to me, the flesh is going to take over. Listen to this next statement before we move on to number four. Ultimately, ultimately, I can't say it, ultimately an evil tongue is a tool of an evil heart. An evil tongue is the tool of an evil heart. You, you see why we spent two weeks on talking about guarding your heart? For out of your heart flow the issues of life. An evil tongue is a tool of an evil heart. So number four. We must recognize our words reflect our heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, man speaks. That's why it doesn't, you know, that's, that's why we spent two weeks on guarding your heart, not guarding your tongue. If I guard my heart, guess what I'm doing? I'm guarding my tongue. For out of the abundance of my heart, my words come out. Let's look at our text again. James chapter 3, verse 9. Talking about our mouth again. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who've been made in the similitude or the image of God. I could say a lot on that verse. But, but you think about that for a minute. Think, think about what, what this is saying is, let's put it in our context today. So I come into the service this morning, and I sing, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. And I cry, and I'm moved by the reality of what God has done in my life. But I walk out of here this afternoon and my words are like everyone else. James is saying, hold on a second. That shouldn't be that way. How can you come in and praise God with the same mouth and go out and say the things you do? And I'm not just talking about, you know, the four-letter words but how you treat people with your words. You have power to speak life or to speak death. Verse 10, out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings. All right, so I'm not talking about four-letter words, but James is, okay? My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. And here's another way Jesus put that in Matthew 12, 34, which we already read. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Recognize, if you're having a a tough time taming your tongue, 
maybe the issue is not your mouth. Maybe the issue is your heart. Maybe the issue is you're in control when God needs to be in control. Maybe the issue is you are walking in the flesh, not walking in the spirit. The conclusion down here, there's four things that you want to look at, and we're going to go quickly. We must work daily at taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Second Corinthians there says, casting down arguments. I don't like that statement. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. It starts with my thoughts, doesn't it? Take captive the thoughts. Number two, walk daily in the Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 16 says this, I say then, walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So if I walk in the Spirit, I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I can control my tongue. If I walk in the flesh, which I often do, guess what? I'm going to produce the fruits of my flesh. I'm going to argue. Number three, renew our minds. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Romans 12, 1 says, Holy, acceptable God, which is reasonable service. Be not conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Spend time in God's word. Spend time in prayer. The, the, the truth is, if you're like me, maybe it's a different area, but you know what your weakness is. You, you should know what your weakness is. Ask God to help you. Ask God to give you strength. Number four, remember the words of Paul. Let no corrupt communication or no word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Wow. That's a, listen to that statement. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt word, there's not much room for error there, is there? Let no corrupt word come out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. My words have life, the power of life, and the power of death. Speak life into people, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So today... How well are you controlling your tongue? How well are you controlling your thoughts? Does this verse apply to you out of the same mouth, blessings and cursings? Do you praise God on Sunday morning and speak like everybody else on Monday morning? Parents, how about the words you speak into your kids? Life? Or death. Spouse. How about the words you speak to your spouse? Life or death? Students. You guys have so many ways to communicate, don't you? And you guys know that in all the ways you can communicate, it's really easy to speak death into people, right? Speak life. 
be known to encourage people. Don't be a part of all that goes on in that world. It comes down to this. Are you controlling your mouth? Or are you letting God control your heart? It comes down to that. Would you close your eyes for a moment this morning? We're going to prepare for a time of, of invitation, a time of response this morning. And as I mentioned earlier, maybe this morning, early when we started the message, you, you prayed that prayer to give your life to Christ. And I would encourage you in a moment, we're going to stand. Jeff's going to lead us another song of worship. And I would encourage you this morning, if you pray that prayer, I'm going to be standing right here at the front. There will be others that will be standing here facing you. Walk up there, shake their hand, and say, I prayed that prayer. They would love to open up the Word of God and show you through some Scripture to give you assurance of that decision you made. And I want to ask real quickly this morning, As, as their eyes are closed, and I want you to have a private moment with God this morning, would anyone say, John, I really need help on my tongue, my words. I, I, I need prayer. Would you raise your hand for a moment? Just put your hand up all over. There's quite a few of us. My hand is up. A lot of us. I would encourage you this morning. You can put your hands down. I'd encourage you this morning. Rest in God. Give God control of your heart. Give God control of your mouth. Let Him change you from the inside out. This morning we have uh, a lot of students in here that have been encouraged to, to bring their backpacks as we want to pray over you guys in a minute. But here, before we do that, I, in a moment we're going to stand. I'm going to encourage you as parents today. Maybe your kid came with your backpack. Maybe they didn't come with the backpack. But I, we want to give you some time this morning, and, and that's why we have the family worship this morning, is we want you to come forward in a moment as a family. Pray that God would, would bless your child in this new year. God would give them good, godly friends. That God would allow them to be influences on those who need a good influence. That God would use their story to reach in the life of other students who don't have a mom and dad that bring them to church and that will come forward and pray with them. So in a moment when we stand, I want to encourage you moms, dads, grandma, grandpa, bring that student forward. Spend some time with God alone with them and you and pray over them. So, dads, there's nothing greater for your kid to hear than you praying. Pray for your kid today. Pray over your child today. Pray for your spouse today who probably is the one that gets up and gets them ready for school. Have a time of prayer together today. God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come and to worship this morning. 
I pray in a moment as families come forward, Lord, that it would just be a special time of prayer as we start this new school year, that you'd give these students, Lord, I know there's a lot of fear involved in maybe the next grade or the new school. And I pray you would give comfort and strength both to the, the students and to the parents. Lord, may our students be an influence for your good wherever you place them. Lord, it's in your name we pray. I'm going to ask you to stand with us this morning. Again, if God has spoken to you, if you have an opportunity as a family to come pray, I would encourage you to do that this morning.